Welcome to Witch, the Women in Technology Creative Industries Hub, elevating the voices of women in tech. My name is Bishi, the founder of Witch. In this podcast, I'll be talking to a woman in tech about her life, journey, work, and process. In this episode, I talk to artist and movision Di Mainstone. We talk bridges, human harps, and suffragettes. Please do like, review and subscribe. We're a new podcast and every bit of support helps. Di Mainston, welcome to the Witch Podcast. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problems. So, how would you describe yourself? Um, can you just say that my belly's just gone bonkers? <laughs> Oh no! Don't be nervous. I'm really friendly. Um, how would I describe myself? I am an artist and I create wearable musical instruments, uh, body centric musical installations, and I also create films that kind of explain how these work. Body centric musical installations. We will hear more about that soon. Um, Yes, I should know. Um, Where did your love of technology begin? It began when I I left my job as a fashion designer um, several years ago. It was about 2004. It was largely because the the fashion industry was changing and transforming and people were wondering what's going to happen next in, in fashion. And so I decided to start working with scientists and engineers to explore what the future of fashion might be. And I started to embed technology, sensors, um, shape-shifting alloys into clothing. And um, the thing, I guess, what the outcome was, was wearable technology. And um, the thing that interested me the most was using wearable uh wearable pieces to embed sensors that would then map movement and then using this data to trigger different sounds and so came about the wearable musical instruments. How did you come across these body sensors? I was living in Montreal having um, done uh, created a collection of kinetic uh, clothing um, at Excess Labs and um, I just started working with the engineers there and messing around with accelerometers and and different kinds of sensors, stretch sensors. And, um, and yeah, it just sort of became something I wanted to pursue. And, uh, and so then got my first commission to create a wearable musical instrument, actually when I came back to London from Queen Mary University of London. And this first instrument was called the Serendipt Chord and it slotted onto your shoulders. And as you moved, uh, with it quite often I work with dancers to to demonstrate it it would trigger different sounds wow what piece of technology changed your life this could be as basic as a plug or a remote control or I have a very early memory of putting an ABBA record yeah on my parents turntable on their now very snazzy Telefunken analog hi-fi system so I didn't realise this. <laughs> <laughs> That's your bit of number one tech. Um, I was thinking perhaps it was the uh, the Connect had a huge impact on me because um, 
I've been trying to develop a, a project where I, I was trying to find ways to make music with sand. And, um, and for ages, I was sort of pitching this project. Um, and then I discovered that people were using the connect as a way to map the height and the depth of the sand. And it struck me if they were using that to, to you know, trigger different visuals, um, I could also use it to um, trigger sounds. And so developed uh, this project, which is now on at the South Bank Centre called the Sound Pit, um, which comprises of seven musical sand pits that you can explore sound and visuals with by delving into the sand. Can you explain what a Connect is for our listeners? A Connect is a device, and I believe it's used in gaming quite a lot. But um, and actually, I'm not sure that they even sell it anymore. But it uses an infrared beam to kind of scan the space, and it can pick up on your body movement. But also, in the case of the sound pit, it's measuring the height and the depth of the sand and how that shifts from moment to moment as you play within the sand. And so then we can use that information to trigger different sounds and different visuals. Wow, that sounds absolutely amazing. And is this project for kids as much as it is adults? Oh, God, yeah, it's for everyone. <laughs> it's for everyone of different ages. Um, uh, we found that babes in arms, just it chills them out. You know, mums come with really young babies, but we've also had 90-year-olds take their shoes off, roll their trousers up and jump into the sandpit. It's lovely. That's amazing. How long is it on at the South Bank for? It's on for its second season now, um, and it. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, but it might be extended. But <laughs> at the Hooray! moment, <laughs> at the moment, yeah. it ends. I think at the end of Feb, but with the possibility that it might be extending. And could you tell us a little bit about the Human Harp? So, the Human Harp is a musical interface that clips onto suspension bridges and allows the user to pick up on all of the wonderful vibrations traveling through the suspension cables and then to remix them. And um, it is what I'd call a body-centric musical device. And the idea came about when I lived in New York City um, several years ago. And uh, every day I'd sort of wander over to the Brooklyn Bridge and um, sit on the wooden walkway and listen to all of the kind of visitors as they walked along, listen to their footsteps, um, which sounded to me as they reverberated down the wooden walkway, a bit like a, um, a giant glockenspiel. And all of these different layers of sounds, it struck me that if you were to float up high above the bridge and look down, it was in fact a giant string instrument, a harp, or with a big enough bow, you might be able to play it. And um, and so when I came back to the UK, I decided it would be great to see if I could find someone who could help me build this instrument. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to work. I liked the idea that it was um, modular and might be able to clip onto any suspension bridge so it was sustainable. And, um, and Queen Mary University of London uh, then helped me to develop the first few instruments that we took and played on the Brooklyn Bridge on its 130th birthday. And we filmed it and it was actually the film that picked up, got picked up in the media and got lots of sort of interest and um, yeah gone from there really that's right i saw it in the creators project um as a which is a part of vice i was amazed i think i remember the first time um we spoke about it you told me that this had been almost like a guerrilla performance so it was completely improvised was it, it exactly it was yeah um we 
and I was a little bit nervous talking about it. So we, um, <laughs> I had approached, I did go to the Department of Transport and I said, can we do like a performance? Because I'm quite cheeky like that. So I just went and asked and they, they were really interested in, in the whole project. But um, I realised that the amount of red tape we'd have to get through to make something happen was going to be insane. So um, we decided on the 130th to just, create these instruments and go up there and just do a guerrilla performance and and film it because it was really I find films a really helpful way to share an idea with people particularly with an interactive kind of instrument or design you can show people how it works because not everyone recognizes that everyone knows how a violin works and as an interface but they don't know how a human heart works so you show them yeah okay fantastic did you have a bit of an audience for this all sorts of people were wandering by and um, it's New York so everyone's like yeah so what you know there's these crazy people <laughs> on the bridge but also um, there was uh, a couple getting married and so the, the lady in her wedding dress a huge meringue sort of billowing in the wind just stopped and they all just stared at the human heart for a bit and then carried on. That's so amazing that's so Wes Anderson did, did someone get a photo of that? Possibly. It's possibly on our, our rushes of the day. So I'm sure we've got it. That's worth digging out, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so you've just opened a new project at Tower Bridge called Time Bascule. Tell me a little bit about Time Bascule, even though I'm actually involved in it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, a lot. <laughs> Fishy's playing the sea, so that's a pretty big role. Hello. <laughs> So Time Bascule is a film that I've made as a commission for Tower Bridge's 125th anniversary, which is this year. They approached me about a year ago and said to me, would you be able to find a way to make music with Tower Bridge to celebrate this anniversary? And so um, I decided that I wanted to kind of examine their 125 years um, and look at the different characters who would have uh, been at the bridge over that history. And so the character that really captured my imagination was called Hannah Griggs. And she was one of the very first women to work on Tower Bridge uh, between 1911 and 1915, time of the suffragettes. And um, what really captivated me about her was just to kind of look in her eye really that's about as much as it was and um she is gorgeous by the way <laughs> yeah she's gorgeous and um but just for this extraordinary look in her eye and she is featured in Tower Bridge's engine rooms I had to think that um there's a giant picture of her so when I saw this picture I just thought who is this woman um and I found out that she was cook to the bridge master um at that time that she was at the bridge and so I wanted to find out more and so asked Tower Bridge if they could introduce me to her descendants um Susan Belcher her granddaughter and Hannah Belcher her great-granddaughter and so I asked them when I met them, could you tell me something about Hannah Griggs that maybe Tower Bridge don't know? And they told me that Hannah loved plants. She was absolutely obsessed by growing plants. And when she left Tower Bridge, she and her husband bought a large plot of land and ended up growing fruit, vegetables, all sorts of different things and selling them at market. And it struck me that this is actually a really big, interesting piece of information and not something you'd associate with Tower Bridge like growing plants and gardens and so I started to examine the connection between um, music and plant 
growth and how certain music accelerates plant growth. And this really interested me. And I wondered if perhaps this character, Hannah Griggs, could be my bridge player. And perhaps she was actually playing the bridge in order to help nurture her plants and to transform the bridge into a garden. And what also struck me was that um, throughout this kind of research, the bridge itself is a, and it's amazing, bascule engineering. So bascule is French for seesaw, and the bascule on the bridge is the bit that goes up and down to let the, the ship through. And it seemed to me it was a really very lovely metaphor for the kind of delicate balance of our own ecosystem at this moment in time. And uh, having spent the last several months on the bridge, I saw one of the hottest days on record. And I also saw flooding on the bridge. And so with all of the kind of activity that's been going on with, we had a Extinction Rebellion swarm the bridge at this at some point, um, I couldn't help but sort of start to think about that and the impact of our, our own ecosystem and how, you know, one thing you can do is actually planting is a really positive thing as well as all the other things we need to do. So there there was the story for Time Bascule and, um, and during that process we developed three or four different instruments um, that Hannah played to nurture the plants. Wow, that is so... Um, I mean, I feel really blown away in terms of when you were on Tower Bridge you know, you experienced the hottest day of the year and also flooding and also Extinction Rebellion. So there's, I mean, you know, that's a lot. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot. And how, how long is this video installation on for? So the video installation is on uh, for a couple of months. I think it's on till the end of March. And um, it features just one section of the film which focuses on Hannah playing the bridge. But um, I've also been working on a longer iteration of the film, which is going to end up being about 25 minutes long, which is featuring also Bishy and... Hello! Hello! <laughs> and the beautiful work of Mandy Wigby and Howie Jacobs, a.k.a. Architects of Roslyn, um, as well as a lovely uh, female artist called Iona, who's just got, done some beautiful vocals. Iora. Oh, is it Iora? Yeah. Oh, thank you. I've been spelling it wrong everywhere. Is it Iora? Yeah, it oh, is. Oh, no, I think I put who it wrong on a press release. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> who I love, who I also have on the Witch podcast because we just worked together on a sound art residency and is she's Holly? fabulous. Holly. Holly, that's it. Oh, oh my she's God. She's so good. She's so good. Oh. She's fabulous and she's such a sweetheart. Yeah. We love you. We're sorry we got your name wrong. <laughs> sorry, Holly. <laughs> It's because um, it's because we're old witches. But anyway, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, it's gonna it's looking it's looking to be completed in about a month, and we're talking to various people about screening. So watch this space; we'll update you. Fantastic, and that will be on diamainston.com. Exactly, and on my Twitter at diamainstone. Fantastic. I'll also be shouting about it because I'm a fan of the film. Um, the edit at Tower Bridge is absolutely beautiful, so do get yourselves down there. Um, what other women in tech inspire you? My God, there's so many, and there's so many, like, um, well, it goes without saying, you're doing some pretty good stuff, Bishy. Oh, but, you know, <laughs> I, um, swoon, swoon. Um, so, yeah, I think it's extraordinary what you're doing with just kind of getting everyone together. 
and um, producing new work, helping people produce new work. Um, Imogen Heap, amazing work with the Miami Gloves. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, brain blank. Yeah. Could you talk maybe a little bit about your relationship with Mandy Wigby? Because she's a force of nature. She's... <laughs> She's a music producer and she has had a really interesting trajectory um, for a woman in music and uh, and a music producer. Very much so. Um, and actually thinking about it, um, Wiggy or Mandy, Mandy Wigby, <laughs> <laughs> is a, a, a sort of woman in music tech as well, isn't she? Yeah. And, um so for the past three or four years, I've been working pretty much nonstop with Mandy. And um, we've, I don't know, just sort of found this lovely rhythm of working together and also her partner, Howie. And um, we started off by actually Mandy contacting me. We'd met at a party some years before and she contacted me out of the blue and she went, I've got this commission for Delia Derbyshire Day, which you've been involved in too. Yeah. And um, she said, uh, we are going to create an original score inspired by Delia's work. Could we um, put it with your some a whole series of your films all stitched together? And so I literally stitched my films together and handed it over to them and they produced this really stunning live score um to to the films um on they've done it on several occasions now so they've been doing it over a three-year period i think we actually did it in 2016 um so off the back of that we realized that we really well we realized that we were all weirdos and we just like <laughs> like the same stuff we like the same film we like sort of a certain amount of darkness mixed with tongue-in-cheek and yeah playfulness and so I've just found it really hard to sort of top that and just keep each project. I keep just calling up Mandy and Howie, Architects of Roslyn. Yeah, wiggy, wiggers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are your plans for the future to finish and conclude this interview? <laughs> to, to, to have a break, obviously, because you've been working on this really intense film. I'm just thinking. Um, I yeah, I'm really excited about just getting that film out there. But also, um, what am I thinking about next? I'm thinking a little bit about the future of the sound pit because I can see so much scope um, for it in terms of um, just touching and reaching people of all sorts of different ages and abilities. And the more I, people play with it, the more I see the interesting future in that. And yeah, some, an exciting new film, maybe. I don't know. My, my mind's open. I've got yeah. nothing planned as yet. Is there any technology which is tickling your fancy? Ooh. Um, not at present. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> the, problem, the problem with me, so I'll be honest with yeah. you, is I... Yeah, just come up, I have a kind of idea or sort of visualisation. And then if it's something that's sort of not possible through the laws of nature, then I I think about, I ask, like I ring up my engineer mates and say, what technology is going to make this happen or make this real? So it usually ends up in reverse, actually. I have an idea and then the technology can make it happen. So don't usually perv over tech that much. It sort of, it happens <laughs> later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Perving over tech. 
<laughs> anyway, Di, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Um, I will be putting up links to her website and to Time Basquiole. And yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you, Di Mainstone, for coming in and being such an inspiring guest. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in and subscribing. And thanks to The Rattle for all of their technical support. You can find out more about Witch at Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.com forward slash Witch. You can go to Witch.com to find out news and updates and to sign up to our monthly newsletter. Until next time, thanks and goodbye.